Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. On today's episode, we have the privilege of having Okech Annette Adiambo. Okech is a social entrepreneur and a gender advocate from Kenya, and she's joining us today from Kenya. Welcome, Okech. We are so excited to have you on here. Thank you very much, Yodit. So you are a, a gender advocate. Can you tell us what motivated that journey for you? Thank you very much, Yudit, for that question. Actually, where I come from, I'm the first female to ever join the university in my um, great-grandfather's lineage. That's my father's side, you know. And uh, this kind of uh, inequality that I witnessed growing up really motivated me to go to this gender equality field because, uh, as you can see, I come from the rural places and women still don't have chance to air out their views. They still can't make their own decisions. So to me, to become a gender advocate, I think it's it uh, opened, it opened uh, for me another path to also go to the grassroots levels and, uh, and organize with other young women so that we come up with solutions of the challenges that we are facing in our different communities. Okay, I am also thrilled to be talking with you today. And um, what are some things that you have seen in your community that have shifted to improve gender equality? When it comes to gender inequality, most of the cases happen within the grassroots level. And so when you partner with these young women so that they, have, they can raise up their voices, a lot is being done. And it's in a very positive way. They come out, they take part in these spaces, they take the seats that they thought they couldn't take. So to me, I think starting from the grassroots level, it's what we should all do. We just can't start it up there and forgetting that people down here don't matter. They do matter. And they too have to be included when it comes to decision-making processes. Thank you very much. So you were the first one in your community, first woman to have education. For you, what inspired you to, to pursue that? Actually, not really in my community, but in my great-grandfather's lineage, which is quite big, you know, and it's a community that is made up of around 60% women, but they never got the chance to go to education. They were reaching around 13 years old and they are being married off. And, you know, when you don't educate uh, a girl, let me say, the poverty level increases. And uh, when I see the rate of poverty that has increased uh, with women not being given equal chances like men in my community, I find it like 
it's so draining us. It's really pulling us down. But when we include women in these uh, processes like education, give them quality education, I think there's a lot that can change in the world. So actually, that's some of the reason that really motivated me when it comes to advocating for gender. We advocate for the inclusion of women in the education, uh, financial illiteracy for women. And those are kind of things that have really been ignored in my community. Yes, thank you. How did your parents encourage you to go to school and to be a good student? My father's sisters never got the chance to go to school. So he uses us, the three girls of his, to make sure that we get the best that none of his sisters got. So uh, my parents have been really supportive from a very young age, like, uh, and I'm a very intelligent person. I've been a very intelligent kid. So getting me to school has never been hard. They've been uh, saying, if it's fees, they've been paying us fees on time, making sure that we go to school, making sure that we have books that we need. Actually had so many books growing up. And uh, my father really encouraged the reading culture in our home. We have to read every evening, uh, storybooks, the Bible, you just had to read. So I think through the encouragement, uh, encouragement of my parents, my mom and dad, uh, the three of us, we've been able to grow up to the young women we are today because of the education that you are given. And we are really making positive impacts in uh, the community just because you know that we got the chance that uh, other people out there never got. So thank you very much, Sharon. The beginning of your advocacy journey was when you volunteered as an education ambassador in the Ministry of Education. What did you do as a volunteer there? I did an amazing project uh, entitled Literacy Awareness and Peace Building. And here I came up with ways in which we can uh, counter uh, the issue of illiteracy and uh, negative ethnicity, which was very visible in the community that I was in. And, uh, and also I, ha- I was teaching young kids literacy, English and Swahili languages. I used to conduct uh, read aloud sessions with learners who are struggling in communicating, reading and writing. Also initiated some club like debate club and agricultural club to engage them to debate positively and work together regardless of the ethnicity and gender. And also I was able to train the learners to be young peace builders who will be part of the journey towards uh, achieving global peace and security in their community. And uh, I think through all that I did, uh, the most important uh, thing that I really did and still stood out is through my activities, I managed to promote uh, high levels of school enrollment and attendances. And I did this through outreach and creating awareness in the community. Thank you very much, Sharon. Anytime we set out to defy stereotypes or break barriers, oftentimes we can experience opposition. Were there personal oppositions that you faced as you set out to do all these incredible things? Actually, no. I think that is something that truly really motivated me to keep going. The 
villagers and the community members were very supportive and they could even call me teacher whenever they see me they're so happy like you know this is a person helping our kids to go to school and uh, through that I really got motivated to keep going and to keep to make sure that these children are going to school and they have uh, en- enough uh, facilities that make them to be in school you know some of these children I realized that it's not that uh, they don't want to go to school, but the situation at home is uh, the one that really caused them not to go to school. Maybe you have, uh, like the way I said, you have a younger sibling. Maybe you don't even have parents. You are the one who's taking care of your younger siblings. So we also noted these kids and we could help them through the, uh, the village, the way I say the village barrazas and other community members will come together and support these children so that they also get time to go to school like other children. Thank you. I have read that you are a peace builder. How do you do that? How does one build peace? Like I said, uh, the other time when I was in, and as an education ambassador, I was also a peace builder because I was taken to a place where there's a lot of ethnic clashes, uh, clashes, I mean. So peace building is just not a matter of having, a, how can I say, uh, the state of tranquility, but also peace building is making sure that we have equal access to uh, social and economic uh, development uh, in our communities. So my life as a peace builder started uh, as an education ambassador, but uh, I've been a peace builder for an amazing organization called I Build Africa Organization, where I was a writer. I used to write on issues revolving around youth and peace. And also I've been able to uh, represent my country, Kenya, in the regional peace building institute that happened in Rwanda. It's an amazing uh, training that teaches us about whatever happened in the 1994 genocide against the Tutsi in Rwanda. And I think actually my peace building life really gave me the chance to go on and pursue my gender equality career because through peace building, I noticed that the gap when it comes to gender equality and peace building also include gender equality. So through peace building, I managed also to move to gender equality field. Yes, thank you. So I read an article uh, where you mentioned that one of the most essential virtues that you've learned um, in life is the art of empathy. I love that. Can you can you talk to us more about how you put that into practice in the work that you do? Oh, thank you very much. You know, you can't be a leader without being empathetic. That's what I always believe, you know. And uh, in my life as a community leader, empathy has been the main thing that has really drove me to connecting with people in the grassroots level. These are people who are different from you. I can say I'm a bit privileged than uh, the people I work with. So without you being empathetic and kind, you can't work with those people. And uh, it's a value that is not more of, uh, it's more of compassion, being kind. And that's the only way we can work with people. Without empathy, I don't think we can work with diverse group of people. Yes, thank you. What is your greatest hope for gender equality for young women? 
actually love talking about young women because I see as as the future people, the future, actually not really the future, we are the present leaders, you know. So I just, uh, when it comes to gender equality and women, where I come from, the society tends to, it's more of a patriarchal, it's a patriarchal society, not even moral, and uh, uh, women don't have a say in so many things. You don't have a say when it comes to dowry payment. You don't have a say when you want to go to school. Everything is under patriarchy to have a say. So for me, when it comes to gender equality, I want to see all genders having access to social, economic, and uh, political uh, access to whatever they want you know it just then it does it doesn't have to be now they're giving me just because I'm a woman no give it to me because I'm also a human being that need access to these uh, kind of rights you just don't have to just do it because ah, you're a woman now you have to go to school because you're a woman no I am going to school because I'm also a human being so I would really envision a world where young women and girls have access to uh, all these resources that uh, feels like they can't be part of. Yes, thank you. How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? I think, first of all, we should ask uh, the girl or young woman what she wants. And uh, this is something that has always been overlooked. You know, most people don't take it into consideration. We are the ones who know what we want and we are the ones who know how it can be solved. So allow us to have a say on how it can be done. Uh, That's my point, first point. My second point is, uh, I think we should give girls and young women a space and uh, opportunity where they can amplify their voices and tell them that their voices really matter. You know, you can't tell us to use our voices and not give us the opportunities. We want platforms where we can be heard. We want to be seen and heard at the same time. You know, most of the times, young people are given the chance to be seen and never heard. We don't want that. We want opportunities. We want the seat, and we want to raise our voices. And uh, last but not least, I believe uh, young women cannot be what they can't see. And uh, here is where the role models aspect comes in. I grew up with no close female role models, but uh, the women I saw on TV from Oprah Winfrey, Professor Wangari Madai, these women, uh, they give me so much power. You know, when you see people like you raising their voices to challenge their status quo, I, that was is not something that was common in my community. Uh, given that I was raised in a rural area. But seeing these women on TV and uh, reading about them in newspapers gave me hopes and dreams to be like them. And uh, lastly, uh, I believe every woman has a voice. It's a matter of us to use our voices to go anywhere that we want to go. Yeah, And uh, through our voices, we can uh, change the world and make it a better place for the future generation of women. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. There's so many women and girls who are going to be better off because of you. So thank you for talking with us today um, and sharing 
parts of your story. And to our listeners, thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. I am inspired by you and the fact that you are encouraging all young women and all women of every age to use their voices to make this world a better place is such a powerful message. So thank you so much. And Yodit, thank you for being with me today and in every one of these episodes of the Power of Stories podcast. Thank you so much, Sharon and Judith. I actually really enjoyed this podcast and I hope the listeners will enjoy it too. Thank you very much. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story. <laughs>